This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. You know, in the book Revival, Winky Pratney said that when God finds someone with courage to pray, preach, and live a life before of holiness and compassion, he can literally change the face of a nation. You know, throughout history, there have been reports of great awakenings, great revivals, but revivals of the past seem to have begun with a deep hunger and desire for prayer and intimacy with God. It brings people to a place of authentic humility and repentance in the presence of the Lord. Recently, I've, I've been participating in a gathering of worship services nightly from Ascension to Pentecost, and I began to ponder something that true repentance, of course, is different than remorse because remorse is just being sorry for being caught. But repentance is not something we can perform or work up or act up. It's something that happens out of the place of intimacy with God himself, recognizing that we're undone in his presence. In fact, I shared about Isaiah chapter 6, where he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we're in the presence of a holy God, we're undone in ourselves. That place of true humility brings that place of repentance. In the New Testament, we see that the goodness of God brings us to repentance. There's something about the grace of God, the great and amazing and bounding grace of God, that when we're in the presence of His holy, holy, holy presence, we recognize our own undoneness. So true repentance is not something that comes from formula but for a place of true intimacy and relationship in the abiding presence of God. That's what we recognize as true holiness, what we truly recognize our need for His great and amazing grace. What we really need is the abiding, manifest presence of God again in our lives if we're going to experience true resurrection power. I wonder what would happen if the Lord came upon us in a suddenly moment as He did 2,000 years ago on Pentecost. I wonder what would happen if we would commit as the body of Christ to a corporate focus on the Lord for an extended period of time, or even as they did in Jerusalem, the 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost. Whenever I read Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I'm reminded of the importance of worship without any personal agenda, but simply worshiping the Lord. You see, Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17 says that after the resurrection, the 11 disciples went to the mountain that Jesus himself had appointed to them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Jesus spoke to them in that place and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He then imparts that authority to them in what we call the Great Commission. Second Chronicles 5, 11-14 and Isaiah 6 also reminders of what happens when we are in the presence of the Lord. There is something about the authenticity of worship without personal agenda or personal opinions or preferences that equalizes each of us in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. The world needs godly, courageous, and committed leaders. As Doug Stringer often reminds us, our desire to win must be greater than our moments of challenge. When you listen, subscribe, and share a Word in Season podcast, you are promoting words of encouragement and hope in a world that's plagued by negativity and despair. Thank you for being that shining light. And in the place of true worship, 
He's able to impart to us His manifest presence, His wisdom, commissioning, and His authority. You see, it begins with an invitation. After the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus appeared to two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus and talking about what had just happened or what just transpired. These disciples had spent over three years with Jesus, yet they did not recognize Him when He walked by their side. You see, the betrayal, the beating, and the crucifixion of Jesus was so far from their conception and expectation that they could not see clearly. They did not have an understanding or revelation of what Jesus had told them during their communion together at the Last Supper. So disappointed, distracted, and confused, they were going back to business as usual. As they walked along, Jesus began to expound the Scriptures to them. And though they did not know it was Him, their hearts burned within them, and they begged Him to stay. In fact, they said, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. You see, that is the invitation. When we ask the Lord to abide with us, that's an invitation, no matter what we go through. When we've been disappointed or in despair, when we don't unrecognize what He's doing in our midst or in our lives, we still long for Him and seek His presence. And like the Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon, we may be sleeping at times, but our hearts are still awakened. We're longing for the presence of the Lord. The disciples had been discussing the things of God and all the things that had just taken place, and even how some people were saying Jesus was resurrected. Their hearts and their focus were in the right place. But we can sometimes be so busy discussing the things of God that we can miss the moments of His presence. Let us not miss the moment by discussing the circumstances rather than focusing on His promises and on who He is and on His abiding presence. Did not our hearts burn within us, they asked themselves. Our hearts burn within us when God's presence abides in us. You see, His abiding presence causes our hunger level to rise and gives us a passion that cannot be quenched. Do we want God's presence as an invited guest, or do we want His abiding and manifest presence? Sometimes I think we just want the Lord for the warm fuzzies or the feel-goods, but we need Him to move into our lives and transform the walls of our hearts, rearrange the furniture of our lives so that He can prepare us to walk in the destinies that He has desired for us. God has a desire for my life and for yours, a desire for this generation to be more than just a status quo Christianity. It all begins with an invitation for Him to abide in our lives and we abide in Him. See, invitation leads to revelation. In Luke 24, 30 and 31, Jesus accepts the disciples' invitation and breaks bread with them. It says, As He sat at supper with them, He took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him, and He vanished out of their sight. Once again, He had communion with them, but this time, unlike the Last Supper, their eyes were opened. They now had a fuller revelation of who He really was, and they knew Him. They had a revelation that they did not understand before, that the only thing that mattered now was the manifest presence of God Himself. They now understood that Jesus Himself is the fullness of the Godhead, and He wants us to be the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's revelation. Their eyes were open, and no longer did they walk in confusion, discouragement, or distraction. Now they walked in light and with hope. Sometimes we have to get out of the box of our normal ways of thinking 
and spend intentional, intimate time in His presence so that we can see from His perspective. Now, revelation leads to expectation, transformation, and reformation. Later, at the end of Luke 24, as Jesus prepares for His ascent to heaven, He tells the disciples, "'Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high.'" And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That's Luke 24, verse 49 through 51. On the road to Emmaus, the disciples were sad. They had lost their vision of hope, but now they had a promise of God. That's expectation. When God gives us a promise, we walk in faith. The disciples on their way to Emmaus were distracted because of the circumstances. We cannot put our hope in circumstances or even in people. We must find our hope in the Lord. Sometimes we get caught up in the whirlwind of what God is doing, and sometimes we get the wind knocked out of us. But we get a new perspective by coming into God's presence and remembering the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, which reminds us and directs us toward the hope and expectation of Pentecost. Our hope is in the Lord. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, Acts chapter 2. In obedience, the disciples tarried in the upper room, praising God and worshiping. Let me say that again, praising God and worshiping. Tarry means to sojourn, to wait upon. They were tearing, wait upon, sojourning in the upper room, praising God and worshiping, putting everything else aside. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came, and the church was birthed. That's transformation. In Acts chapter 6, the church appoints believers to minister their gift of service as she goes forth in the power, spreading the hope of the gospel throughout the known world. Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint for this business. That's reformation. When we become part of something bigger or greater than ourselves and more together with a common vision, we impact nations of the world, and the world sees that God is up to something in and through the church. In review, we see the following. 1. Our invitation, Luke 24, verse 29, leads to communion with God and the revelation of who He really is and what He's doing. That's Luke 24, verse 30 and 31. Revelation then leads to expectation as he reveals to us his promises and his plans. That's Luke 24, verse 49 through 51. Expectation then leads to transformation as we place our hope in him and worship him, Acts 2. Transformation of individuals, churches, and communities leads to an entire reformation of how the world sees God as his bride. And it rises and shines, serving those in need, especially during times of calamity and uncertainty, Acts chapter 6. See, abiding is the key. Some scientists say that when we speak a word, the sound wave that carries it never, ever ends. Likewise, I believe that all the words spoken by all the prophets throughout the generations and all the visions of old are culminating in the events of our lifetime. And as the church continues to rise in the midst of the darkness, the light will get lighter, and we will see an outpouring of God's Spirit like we've never seen before. But, We must remember the key to doing this is abiding in His presence. What would happen if literally believers all around the world grasped this, imbibed it, and walked it out in their lives? 
If we put aside our busyness and all the things that distract us, if we set aside the time to tarry in our own Jerusalems, worshiping Him, praising Him, and thanking Him, then following in simple obedience the instruction given to us by revelation, what would happen? Our programs, events, and seminars are all good things, but these man-made efforts are not working. They are minuscule in comparison to God Himself, the one who gives those things. Our wisdom and efforts and ideas, which are wonderful gifts from God, are less effective at best and ineffective at worst when they are not empowered by the Holy Spirit and when they are not blessed by and immersed in the fruitfulness of His presence. I remember many years ago, the late Leonard Ravenhill and I were talking, and and in fact, he wrote about it in his book, Sodom Had No Bible. And he talks about how in the early church, they didn't have all the things that we have today. And yet today we have the seminaries and Bible schools and Bibles in every translation. We have, we have commentaries. We have everything we could ever think we need. And we even have the resource capacity. Yet the early church, without all those resources, were able to turn the world upside down. And he said, here we are today, and we have not turned the world upside down. You see, the difference, as he said, is that we need endowment from on high. See, the early church was endued with power from on high, from God's manifested presence. What we need again today is God's manifest presence. In times of calamity or uncertainties, and the times we're going through today, the only answer is attracting God's presence so that we can be empowered or endued to be and do all that He calls us to do for such a time as this. We need the Prince of Peace returned to His throne, and it starts with His church. His abiding presence is where His glory dwells, and where His glory dwells, darkness is dispelled. Our need for and dependence on God is more evident now than ever. How do we tap into this power? How do we live our lives and minister in the power of His presence? It begins with a simple invitation, Lord, abide with us. Lord, abide with me. We need to maintain the manifest presence of God by being intentional in our place of prayer. It's not just about praying in public venues and stadiums. Those things are good, but they should be an outcome of what's already going on in our private prayer lives. We can wax eloquent in public, but if our hearts are not where they need to be in private, our prayers are powerless. We need His presence in private so He is with us everywhere we go. We need to be in communication with God. We need to dialogue with Him, not just monologuing and telling Him what we need and what we want Him to do for us. He's not our sugar daddy in the sky. In that place of intimate interaction, though, He gives us a new sense of purpose and expectation. He renews our passion and gives us a purpose beyond ourselves. The enemy might try his tactics, but we know who is on the throne. He's still the King of Kings, and He's still the Lord of Lords. See, we need a yada moment. One day I was at my office and I couldn't understand why every few moments I felt like weeping. The Lord reminded me that many of us are carrying a burden like Jeremiah. We are weeping over the state of our communities, of our cities, of our nation, of our generation. God allows us to experience these moments so we know what's on His heart. And because we know the Lord, we are uniquely equipped to have spiritual authority when we pray and when He gives us something to do and we walk in that simple obedience to walk out what God's putting in our hearts to do. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, part B says, But the people who know their God 
And the word to know God is yada, Y-A-D-A. But the people who yada, know their God, will be strong and take action or do great exploits. You see, our generation has lost the reverential fear of the Lord. Too often we come before Him casually and haphazardly. The need to get back to that place of interactive, authentic, knowing God, that place of intimate fellowship so that we can experience His power is so far more needed today than ever. We need the yada of God. We need to have that interactive relationship with God so we can do strong and mighty things and exploits in His name. The New Testament word to know God is konosko. So yada in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 is to know God, interactive relationship with God. The New Testament word to know God in this interactive relationship is konosko. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, to know him or konosko him, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his passions being conformed to his death. How can we have the power that breaks through without knowing him or the passions of his heart? Our own intellect, abilities, and giftedness are not going to change the circumstances around us. But the power of the resurrection in us, the hope of glory Christ in us, can. Earlier we saw how in Luke 24, after the disciples' eyes were opened to Jesus, they were no longer sad. They had a sense of revelation and expectation in the midst of a world that was a mess. They knew something was up. You see, He manifested to them before He ascended and said, in Luke 24, 49, Terry. We see that is from Ascension to Pentecost, that 10-day period. You see, they started sad, but now they had an expectation of gladness. Their circumstances hadn't immediately changed, but now they had a revelation of the manifest presence of Jesus himself. Their expectation was no longer in what they were hoping for, but now their expectation was in the Lord who told them to tarry in Jerusalem and gave them a promise of the Holy Spirit that would come. And we see the story, the beautiful picture in Matthew 28, in Luke 24, in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, this whole beautiful scenario that after the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus appoints gathering moments with his disciples, gives them expectation and promises. Now they have a renewed revelation of who he really is. And so from ascension To Pentecost, they tarried in Jerusalem, and you know the story. The Holy Spirit came down with tongues of fire, as a rushing mighty wind, and we saw the birthing of the church. I believe there's a reason for tarrying, to shut out the outside noise and set aside time to experience the manifest presence of God through common adoration and worship, where there is no agendas of men, but only agenda of the Lord. See, when the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire being distributed and resting on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Have you ever been wowed by God like that? Those times when God does something and you feel a fresh, renewed hunger for His presence and His Word, we need those moments like never before. We need a yada moment. We need a kenosko moment that takes us back to our first love and reminds us of His promises so we can walk in the anointing and power that He has granted to us. Let this Pentecost season be our yada moment, 
our kenosko moment, so that we may walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit and with the right attitude. Lord, we long for your presence. We're asking for your abiding, manifest presence in our lives. Abide in our families. Abide in our churches. Abide in our cities. Give us a passion for your presence to know you and to make you known. And as we abide, bring us fresh revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, a renewed revelation of who you really are and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, reveal your promises where we can place our hope and our expectations on you and bring lasting transformation and reformation that we may be a light in the darkness for a world in desperate need. Although I'm sharing this podcast in between Ascension and Pentecost, May 21st and May 31st, 2020, the message really is something that's good for us all the time, to remind us about God's abiding presence. And then when we ask Him through invitation, He abides with us. And when we commune with Him, He gives us a revelation of what He has for us. And then He gives us a renewed sense of expectation and hope beyond our circumstances. That's what God wants to do for us individually and corporately. Will you commit to set aside extra time each day? And would you consider taking time just to thank Him and worship Him just because, because, because of who He is and what He's already done? And if you're listening to this podcast during Pentecost season, then join with me and believers all over the world between Ascension and Pentecost to daily sojourn, to tarry, to seek after the Lord, to worship Him. Take the appointed time just to lift His name up. There's so much noise pollution swirling around us. There's so many things that can distract us, bring discouragements in our lives. But if we'd simply worship Him, it's in that place His authority is now received and imparted to us to go forth in the power and doomment that comes from heaven. What if we did commit to a corporate focus on the Lord as they did in Jerusalem those 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost? And what if the Lord came upon us in a suddenly moment as He did those 2,000 years ago? We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.